0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, I remember probably one of the very first songs I ever remember memorizing or singing was Jesus Loves Me. And although it's usually classified as a children's song, there's actually some theological truth in there. That Jesus' love for us, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and most importantly, His coming back. And uh, it's, a, it's a it's a great song, and it's one of the, I mean, like I said, it's one of the first songs I remember growing up. But it's still forever inside of me. <laughs> it's one of those songs I just never forget. Uh, we'll be in the book of Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter four this evening. Second Corinthians chapter four, and I really only have two points that I want to kind of get across, and talk about this evening, and I know we're supposed to have three, but we're going to skip one tonight and just extend it, to make two of them worth the three time, and, but we're going to have two points tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 3 through 7, and if you can, if you're able to, if you don't mind standing for the reading of God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 3, "...but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost." And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. If you bow your heads and pray with me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are very thankful, Lord, that we can gather together, Lord, and have this time of worship, this time of singing hymns and praises unto you, Lord. And, Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity that we have for fellowship to come together, Lord. And, Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to open up your word. And, Lord, I just pray that the words that I speak tonight would be from you, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit, Lord, and... Just fill me with what you would have me to say, Lord, that will would be honoring and glorifying to you, Lord. And just pray, Lord, that this time of evening will be lifted up to you, Lord. We are thankful, blessed, Lord, but ultimately, Lord, we're just thankful, Lord, that you would send your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin. And we have salvation through Christ and through Christ alone, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 here, uh, looking at verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world? The God of this world. Now, if you look at your Bible there, that word God... ...is a lowercase g. It's not referring to God Almighty... ...but it's referring to Satan... ...the God of this world, Satan. And today we still... ...have an enemy running around... ...Satan. And he is really good... ...and I hate to give credit... ...but he's really good at what he does. And he knows what he's doing. And he's not slowing down. We look around us... ...we see how evil and sin is becoming more... ...and more prevalent. It's just coming about... ...it's not even trying to hide anymore... But we have an enemy, Satan, out there... ...that is doing such a great job right now... ...that means we got to be working a little bit harder. <laughs> yes. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 24... talking about the church of Thyatira... ...and it talks about two different things there... ...the, the doctrine of Jezebel... ...but also it talks about in verse 24... ...how they have not known the depths of Satan. How deep, how wide, how far Satan would go... ...to destroy anything he can to keep man away from God. And if you fast forward to 2 Corinthians chapter 11... It talks about how he can transform into an angel of light and how he has ministers and false teachers and false preachers. Satan has a, a counterfeit of everything God has. He has a false gospel, a false Jesus, false church, false preachers, and he's doing it. And he, again, he, he's doing pretty good what he does. And we really think about it. He has had 2,000 years to perfect a false church, to perfect a false gospel, to perfect a false spirit, a false experience, anything to keep men and to blind the minds of men. And whenever I was in the Marine Corps, one of the greatest things they'd always teach us while we're in country is... ...never underestimate your enemy. Never underestimate your enemy. The second you let your guard down, the second you become complacent, things happen. Things get destroyed. Things are lost. But we have an enemy out there that has not slowed down for 2,000 years. And he's only gotten better at what he does. But yet we have a lot of Christians, and i would be just as guilty as anyone that slowed down a little. (laughs) And we're given any excuse today that we can have to slow down. But this is such a great opportunity... To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that the God of this world in verse 4 had blinded the minds of them which believed not, but it said, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There is a far more powerful weapon out there that can stop the God of this world. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that gospel of light. This morning during the service, we, say, we sang the song, Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. next verse there are souls to rescue there are souls to save send the light we have heard the macedonian call send the light it's a great song we don't just sing because it sounds good and makes us feel good we sing it because there's a biblical truth there that it's our job to send that gospel light out to preach it and believe in that power of the gospel light whenever i was saved at the age of 10 i remember i was thinking i was trying to self-justify my mind like you know i'm not i'm not that bad you know i I was raised in a Christian home. I, I haven't been out, you know, doing terrible things. And I'm not that bad of a person. But whenever I started reading the Bible, my parents started showing and explaining to me, the Holy Spirit just started revealing that I was just a dirty, rotten sinner. <laughs> and I think about the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved me at the age of 10. It's the same gospel that saved a man like Saul, a murdering Christian. I mean, he went out and persecuted Christians, Christian. Anyone that believed in the name of Jesus, but yet the same gospel that changed a man like Paul Became one of the greatest missionaries, one, one, wrote most of the New Testament. That same gospel is the same gospel that I needed. And I was a sinner just as much as he was, separated from a holy and a righteous God. But that same gospel that changed a man like Saul, the same gospel that the apostles preached, that saw 3,000 5,000 saved and saw all this, the, the, the church just exploding during that time, the same gospel that they're preaching is the same gospel that we have today and that we can preach It's the same gospel. A lot of times, it's easy for us to kind of put a box of understanding what we think, how powerful God is, but he's far beyond our even thoughts and imaginations. And sometimes we try to limit God because we think in our mind, nah, you know, that that person doesn't want to hear. They're never going to get saved. They don't really want to know. They don't want to, nah, they're never going to hear. It's like, no, I'm glad that the Lord didn't pass me by. (laughs) I'm glad that the Lord didn't pass a man like Saul by. I'm glad that the Lord... ...that died on the cross for our sins... ...is faithful and just to forgive us our sins... ...and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. And we have door there... ...you have John three sixteen, ...probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible... ...but it said for, God, for, um, it said for the whosoever... ...the word whosoever is in there... ...for God so loved the world... ...that he gave his only begotten Son... ...that whosoever believeth in him... ...shall not perish with everlasting life. Amen. But that next verse... ...verse 17, it says... ...God sent not his Son of the world... ...to condemn the world... ...that the world through him might be saved... God did not send Jesus to die on the cross to condemn people. He sent Jesus to die on the cross because we're sinners in need of a Savior. And we need a Savior. And I mentioned it this morning, but um, it's always hard to give your life verse. You know, people ask, what's your life verse? What's your favorite verse in the Bible? I'm like, there's a lot of good ones in there. It's hard to choose. But probably one of my top 3,000 favorite verses is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where he says, God is not slack concerning his promise. But towards the end of that verse, he says, he's not willing that any that any should perish yes. but that all that all should come to repentance. That yes. word any, that word all, the word whosoever. We look at Romans chapter 10, verse 11 through 13. It uses the word whosoever, it uses the word any, it uses the word whosoever. Those are important words because yes. every single person in this room is an all. Is a whosoever. Amen. Every person in this town and the next city over the state, the country, of the world is an all and a whosoever. And honestly God made it pretty easy. He just said, "Go to the all." Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. The all is everyone. And we get an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it, real quick, jump over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, again, we, we uh, skip forward to verse 7 in 2 Corinthians. It talks about we have this earthen, an earthen vessel. We have this treasure. But in 2, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4, and he says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. But the beginning says we were allowed of God. God allows us to preach his gospel. God allows us to be used. And we have this opportunity to be a servant of Jesus Christ. It's great that we give our life to the Lord, we're saved, we realize we need a Savior, we repent, give our life to the Lord, that's great, but it doesn't stop there. That's not the end of it. As I mentioned this morning, we are bought with the price in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we are bought with the price. And it took the life of Christ. And one of the greatest things we have, the opportunities and privilege we have, is to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, this, this blessed hope we have. Amen. And, and uh, whenever I went to one of the villages, one of the greatest fallbacks, they, they don't have any hope. They, they try to fill this hope with alcohol, with drugs, anything they can. And... And but they're trying to fill a void in their life that as believers, we know it's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that they need Jesus, we know that they have no hope, they don't have that blessed hope that we have, the coming back of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and, as, and honestly, as believers, we have two things to look forward to. We have death, which we don't like to talk about death. But as a believer, that's excitement, that's just a promotion to be with God. I never understood why we're afraid of death, because if we're saved, man we'd be a Jesus. That's, that's, it's not that we have a death wish, but we have an opportunity that we know when we die, we get to be with our risen Savior. He's already conquered death. That's the best part. But between death and the last thing we have to look forward to now is the blessed hope—that yes. that coming back for Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, we get a little bit of that in First Corinthians 15 and then First Thessalonians chapter 4. And that trumpet sounds. But we have two things: we have death and the blessed hope to look forward to. Everything in between there is just an opportunity to serve Him. Amen. Anything in between there is just an opportunity knowing that we don't have to worry. We don't have to stress. We're actually promised a sound mind in the book of Timothy. We're promised that sound We don't have to worry. We don't have to stress. We don't have to worry about the hard times because, listen, if our life is taken, we're with Jesus. But while we're here on earth, we get to wait for Jesus. (laughs) And we get to wait for him to come back. And if you look at what's going on around us, it looks like he's getting pretty close. (laughs) And, again, that's a great hope. We're excited about that. that We have that hope, but there's a lot of people out there that do not have that blessed hope. That have never heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ that are seeking hope, and there's really only one kind of hope out there, and that's the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. And what's great is, it, it's, we have that assurance of salvation. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he said, I write these things, that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know yes. that you have eternal life. That you, not, not that you might have it, that well, if you do enough, you get it. So, no, I write this so you know that you have eternal life. Yes. So you know you have that blessed hope to look forward to. That you know that when you die, you'll be with our risen Savior. And that's a, such a great hope. And he writes and he says, you, you can know that. And you can know that the second you die, where you will spend eternity. By putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I remember whenever I, I was all excited and I went to boot camp in the Marine Corps. And what I thought was going to be a great time was crushed in my first week in boot camp. How miserable it was. And, but about week four, I had an injury that I had to be held back. And my week vaca- or 13-week vacation just turned into 15 and I was all, I'll admit, I was, I was almost to the point of being depressed. I'm like, what, what's going on here? Why, why would this happen to me? Why did I have to have this injury? Why, why? And I was, a little, I was a little sad and everything. And I was, you know, woe is me. And, but during that time, I had to wait two weeks before I could get picked up for the next platoon. And I, as I'm sitting there, we can't do anything because we're supposed to heal. So we can't, all we're doing is sit in our rack all day. And so I, I started, I had a little Bible with me. So I was just reading it. I was reading through the book of Romans. And around that time, there's another recruit there that was right next to me. And he's like, hey, you know what you're reading? So... I was like, well, I'm reading the book of Romans. He's like, okay, I'm a Catholic. I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice, you know. And and he he showed me his tattoo that said, fear God. And I was like, oh, what's that mean? He's like, well, I just want to make sure that I'm always afraid of God the way he doesn't strike me dead. I'm like, that's not what the word fear means. (laughs) Like, that's the wrong kind of fear there, buddy. But as I started talking to him, I was like... Hey, let me show you something real quick. So, And growing up in church, I remember always going door knocking and soul winning. But I was always with someone else. And I always watched them as they would give the gospel presentation. They would talk to them and see people saved. It was always encouraging. But I was always with someone. So this is the first time I'm by myself. I can't tag team and have someone else help me. I'm like, Lord, give me strength here. I got this, you know. And, and as I'm talking to him, and I, I, just, I go through the Romans road with him. Go through the book of Romans with him. And, and as I get to the very end there, he's, he just starts weeping, like just crying. And I just get real uncomfortable. I'm like, did I just break this guy? What happened? And, and as I as like, you alright man? He's like, you know, I, I grew up in, in a Catholic church my whole life. and I mean, we, we were very faithful. We did our mass. We did this, this, and this. You know, Hell, married. Went to church all the time. And He said, no one has ever showed me this. No one has ever told me that. I, I mean, I knew I was a bad person. I know I made mistakes. I know I was a sinner. But no one ever told me that Jesus is truly the only way. And as I started talking to him, he, I mean, he just started weeping and and he, he made a profession of faith. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how God does this. <laughs> and what's amazing is that same gospel message, same gospel we preach today, and it still changes people. It can still save people. And a lot of times, again, and, I, and I'll be just as guilty as you know, but we try to limit what we think the gospel can do. It's like, nah, it's not strong enough for that person. or Nah, they'll never want to hear it. And nah, I just don't have time. I, I, I'm, you don't understand how much I'm in a hurry. And a lot of times we, we limit what we can do. But if we just believe in that gospel light, yeah. Again, Satan, he, he's good at what he does. He's good at distracting. He's good at blinding the minds of men. But back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 here, it says in verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves the servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts Amen. to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus, that gospel light, it just goes straight to the heart. <laughs> It bypasses that I go straight to the heart there. And we have this powerful weapon of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can preach. And what's amazing is we look around and we, we, it's easy to get discouraged with everything going on. And, and you don't even have to get political. You just, everything going on, it's, it's not good right now. <laughs> it's not the best we've been in America. And we look around and it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get upset. It's easy to get distracted. But if, if we just remember that God is still on his throne, <laughs> he is still in control... And he's still in the saving business. And he still wants to see his soul saved. And it's just our job. And again, he allows us. He could have used the angels. He he, he could have done anything, but he wants to use us. And that's just amazing if you think. I mean, honestly, if we're we're honest, (laughs) every single person in this room is just a dirty, rotten, disgusting, lower than dirt, scum of the earth, sinner. (laughs) Saved by grace. And if you're saved, you're saved. you're saved by grace, God wants to use you. And what's amazing is God has a plan and a purpose for every single person in this room. He wants to use you. And that's not a tickle years, make you feel good. It's like, oh, God loves me. It's like, no, that's a responsibility. That's a responsibility of where am I serving the Lord? How am I serving the Lord? Am I really giving my life to him? We sing the, the hymn, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily give. I, I surrender all. I surrender all. It's a great song. I've sing that song hundreds of times growing up. But have we really surrendered our life to the Lord? It, again, it, it's, it's great that we're saved. It's great that God has saved us, but it doesn't stop there. We can truly surrender our life to the Lord, and he can do wonders through us. And what's great is in verse 7 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 7 it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's the amazing part right there. It's not about how well we articulate the message, how well we can speak, how great we are at it. It's through the power of God. Yes. It is through the power of the gospel that can save. Not how well we do it, which is great because we're not that great. <laughs> and we make mistakes, we fall. But it's through the power of God. And I remember I struggled with surrendering to the ministry because I was like, man, I'm not the sharpest bar but on the wire in the fence. And I'm like, I, 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 There's no way that God wants this Justin to do something. But I remember being shown this verse and it says, listen, it is through the power of God. It's not about us. We just have to be that willing vessel. Amen. In the book of Isaiah, it said, and who shall we send? Who will go before us? And Isaiah's like, he's the only one there. He's like, this said, I. Here am I. Send me. Yeah. And the Lord is looking for that willing vessel, for that one that's just willing to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. And I remember I was talking to somebody who said, I'm afraid to surrender because what if God sends me to the Congo, <laughs> to China, to South America, to to a place, maybe there's a state we don't like. We don't want to go. What well, if God calls me there? It's like, well, great, serve Him there. Amen. I mean, if God is willing to use us, the very least we can do is be willing to be used. Yes, and we think about it, the life of Christ. It was not an easy life. I mean, He left heaven to come and live a life as a man, and it wasn't an easy life for Him. His entire ministry, He's constantly being followed being ridiculed, trying, being argued all the time, and they're constantly trying to kill him. He's constantly escaping. And even all the way up to his death, the abuse that he went through for his love for us to restore that relationship, to restore that promise, all the way back to Genesis chapter three, verse 15, that, that promise of that serpent crushing seed, all the promises that the Old Testament he fulfilled because of his love for us to restore that relationship. And we're not even willing to be used of him. <laughs> it's just amazing to think what Christ went through for us. And what it really means is that when he said that he paid the price for us. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it said, for the wages of sin is death. The best payment that we can give for our sins is death. I mean, that's the best we can offer. And that death is an eternal separation from God. I mean, that's the best we can offer. But if we, sometimes it's really hard to grasp and understand what the payment truly was when Christ died on the cross. But that, that doom and gloom message of for the wages of sin is death. The payment for our sins is death. But that comment there and that conjunction said, but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. He paid the way, he provided a way for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And we, we talk about the flipping jailer and he, he said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And we had this opportunity to accept this free gift of salvation. And if you'd never accept that gift of salvation, do not wait, we are running out of time. Yeah. We're not promised tomorrow. I remember we were serving in Oklahoma. We got back from Alaska. My uh, wife's brother, he, he just turned 18. And two weeks after he turned 18, he got in a car wreck and passed away. And it was hard on the family and everything going on. And, but we're, really, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised this evening. We're not promised the next five minutes. We're not promised anything except eternal life if we accept that free gift of salvation. Yes. We're not promised tomorrow. And if you've struggled with, you know, I just, I just don't know. You know, I'm, I'm confused. I'm embarrassed to say something. I've been in church my whole life. I'm afraid that, you know, don't leave here without talking to somebody. Amen. The most embarrassing thing you can do is be silent. And when that trumpet sounds, it's too late. Yes. When that trumpet sounds, it's too late. We have this opportunity to serve a risen Savior. Amen. Let's take advantage of that. Yes, an opportunity to serve him. Uh, if you go over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is probably... Probably one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 7. Most of us are probably fairly familiar with this scripture. But Matthew chapter 7, uh, you know, we talk about the God of this world, how we have an enemy. And he's great at giving people false hope. He's great at getting that false gospel out there. And, but there is, there is a hell, and there is a heaven. And when we die, we will step off into eternity, either hell or heaven. Now, we can know where we're going. Again, we see in First John chapter 5, we can know where we have eternal life. And I write these things that you may know, but sadly every day people are dying and stepping off into eternity. Yeah. And now as believers, we know that. We 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 kinda got a, a grasp of that. But sometimes it's hard to really understand that people are dying every day and going to hell. <laughs> and we we understand scripture properly, more people die and go to hell than heaven. And it's sad because to get the gift of salvation is available to all. <laughs> yes. But there's many that will reject. There's many that will put that false hope in a false gospel. But Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 21, it said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And verse 23, probably the saddest scripture in the entire Bible says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There will be many that will stand before Jesus and will give this same thing say, Lord, I went to church. I put my check in the box. I, I did this. I did a lot of great things. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. There was never a relationship. It was not a, well, I knew you at one point, but you just weren't good enough. It's like, no, I never knew you. There was never a call upon the name of the Lord. There was never a relationship established there. He says, I never knew you, depart from me. And when they hear that phrase, depart from me, that is literally the saddest thing you could ever hear because that is the end, that's it. There's no, there's no purgatory, there's no second chance, there's no, well, you know what, if you can pay enough, let, no, it's, when you hear that phrase, depart from me, it's going to be too late. Yeah. And there will be many, and there, there's many, and it says, many, in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied? Many want to for cast out devils. He said, depart from me. The saddest thing you could ever hear is that word, depart from me. What's great is we can know that we have eternal life. We can know that we have that blessed hope to look forward to. We can know that we have death to look forward to. It's not a guessing game. It's something that we can know. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9 says, For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of ourselves; It is a gift. Yes. It is a gift of God. And again, not of works. These works that they're, they're putting their faith and their trust in us, it, it's not of works. lest any minister boast." but it's through the gift of salvation, the gift of the, the, the sacrifice of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And I like how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, and he said he's proved to be the Son of God through the resurrection, through the resurrection of the dead. And again, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about, listen, if Christ is not raised from the grave, if there was no resurrection, then what we're preaching as the apostles, what we're putting our faith in, what we believe in, everything would be in vain. Everything, if Christ did not raise from the grave, everything would be in vain. But he did raise from the grave. so There's no vain there. There's no, I hope this works. You can know where you will spend eternity. And you can spend eternity with Jesus, but you must call upon the name of the Lord. (laughs) You must recognize that you are that sinner separated from God. That you need salvation through Jesus Christ. But again, if you're saved, you're saved to the uttermost, praise God. What are you doing to serve him? (laughs) I remember when I was saved at 10 years old, I was all excited and I, I just wanted to do something. I ran to my grandfather. I was like, hey, uh, well, what can I do? Where can I serve in the church? Can I do that? He's like, listen, I got a job for you. I'm like, great. What is it? He says, on Sunday mornings and on Sunday nights and on Wednesday nights, I want you to hold the door open for people. I'm like, is there something more important to do? He's like, no, I want you to hold the door open for people. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> He's like, I want you to hold the door. I'm like, I, right, well, you're the pastor. I can't argue with you. <laughs> so so and Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I would just hold the door open. I mean, people walk up, you know, Sunday morning, I hold the door open and say, no, I'm glad you're here, you know, just she, great. She, back when we could shake hands, you know, shake their hands, greet them. And, and I would just invite them. And it was just amazing to see the smile on their face. To see that, you know, this cute little 10-year-old boy would open the door for them. And, and it was just, it was really gratifying. It really was. That it was just something in my mind I thought was not important. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. But just to hold the door open for someone it brought joy to them. And it really got and really honestly that's really what got me excited just to serve in the church was just something started I just just open the door for somebody. And just something as simple as, you know, taking out the trash or picking up, you know, things <laughs> I remember growing up in church, you know, we'd always take baths on Saturday night and wear our best clothes for Sunday morning, our best shoes, and we're always clean. And we'd come to church, and the church was always pretty and clean and everything. And I just thought that the church was clean because everybody came in clean. That I didn't realize people had to vacuum the floors. They had to sweep in. They had to take out the trash. I just thought the church was always clean. And, but someone has to do that. Yeah. Someone has to serve, and someone has to do I mean, in, in our mind, we think oh, that's not important. But when God blesses something like a beautiful building like this and just being a good steward of what God has given us. Amen. I mean, just an opportunity to serve Him. In our mind, we may think, you know, that's not important. That's, that's, that's a little task. That's a little job. And it's like, no, anything is important if we just have a willing heart to serve Him. Yes, a willing heart to go. And not everyone can be a missionary. Not everyone can be a pastor. I mean, there's qualifications for pastoring. Not everyone can be a, a Sunday school teacher. And not everyone can be, you know, you fill in the blank. I mean, God has a purpose of calling from everyone. We just have to be willing to go. Amen. We just have to be willing to do. We just have to be willing to, at some capacity just to serve a risen Savior. And we had the Great Commission in Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Says, "Go therefore and teach all nations." There's that word "all" again. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And there's kind of that third part there that sometimes we forget about. Says, "But teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you." That discipling portion, that, that opportunity to teach someone else and, and disciple them that way they can go forth and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus sent into heaven, He said, "I got, He gave Him a job." He said, "Listen, I want you to go to your Jerusalem, you know, your local city." he said, but also go to your Judea, your Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the world. Yeah. And he, he really gave a system. What's great is, you can go to your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, the uttermost part. You can go to your local town here in Sioux Falls. You can go to your local, the city surrounding. You. you can go to your next state over. You can go all around the world. What's great is you can do them all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's great about the local church. And when Christ died for that local church and the important job of the church, it's great. Because we can do, you can do all that at the same time. You can you can go to your, your neighbors, you can go to your coworkers, you can go to your next state over, you have these opportunities you have soul winning, go door knight. You have all these opportunities, you have opportunities to send missionaries, you have all, this is I mean God made it easy for us, honestly. Right. And he didn't he didn't say you only go to this people, no, he said go to the all. So literally everyone you come in contact with is an all. And you have the opportunity to preach to all of them. And that's what's great. And again, Christ died for the all. He died for us. I'm thankful that he saved us. And again, if you're saved, where are you serving them? How are you serving them? And I would challenge you with that. I, I mean, we're fixing to start deputation, and I had someone ask, you know, why, why are you going on a deputation now? I mean, don't you know that if you really believe that Jesus is coming back, why would you go now? And it's like, because I can believe Jesus will come back any time. It's why I want to go now, because we're running out of time. And we, we do have a time where that trumpet will sound. Again, that's a great blessed hope for us. But the last thing I want to be doing is not serving him when that trumpet sounds. <laughs> I mean, if the, if the trumpet sounded tomorrow, then praise God, I've got a plan to keep on serving them. But if it, doesn't, if it doesn't sound, and we have tomorrow, we have the next day, then we have an opportunity to serve them. And we ought to have that plan. I mean, any opportunity to serve, we should take advantage of. Because we're running out of time. We really are. Which, is, again, it's great for us. But there's still many out there that have never heard of the, about the blessed hope. <laughs> That's right. They have never heard that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. And I remember when I went to Afghanistan, and we went to some of these you know, really remote villages there, and I mean, you talk about a Muslim-infested country and, and it really opened my eyes that even there, there's, there's a lot of people that really have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I go to the extreme opposite from the desert to, to up in Alaska in some of these villages and there's still people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we're on deputation, we travel through, travel through all these towns, we go through neighborhoods, we see just people everywhere. There's still people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not just, it's not just you know, we think of in China or, or in South America, although there are people there, but there's still people here in our, in our own country that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we need those men that are just willing to stand up and preach the word of God. You know, stick to those fundamentals of the faith and, and, and be bold. This is an opportunity to be bold. <laughs> this is an opportunity to stand up and just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not going to get any easier, so we might as well take advantage of it now. Right. And I remember when I was in youth, and they would always say, you know, you ought to be thankful that you can hold a Bible in your hand and, and that you can walk down the street and knock on someone's door and just ask them and invite them to church. And and, it always, and I remember one of the teachers I had, he always say, you know, there will come a day when we may not be able to hold this Bible in our hand legally in America. We may not be able to go door to door. We may not be able to knock and invite people to church. You know, that day could come in America. And, and I remember hearing that, I'm like, are you kidding me? Look around, we're never going to lose that freedom. We don't know what holds tomorrow. Right. And the opportunity we have now just to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ it shouldn't be taken advantage of. I mean, it shouldn't be taken for granted of, but it should be taken advantage of in the sense we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is still, still in the saving business. And he still wants to see his soul saved. He's not willing that any should perish. And he's true to his promises. Uh, pastor this morning talking about the promises, how God holds true to his word. <laughs> and there's no denying that. And God is not slack concerning his promise. Now, men are slack on that. <laughs> As some, men count slackness. But he is long-suffering. And everyone in this room ought to be thankful that we serve a long-suffering God. A merciful God. A God that is rich in mercy in Romans chapter 10. That he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I mean, Jesus preached about repentance and the importance of it. We see the importance of realizing that we are sinners separated from a holy and a righteous God in need of a Savior. And guess what? God provided that Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you're willing to call upon the name of the Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. A confirmation is there that you, you shall be saved. Realize that you are sinners separated. We serve a risen Savior. He's hold true to his promises already. And there's one more promise left that we get to look forward to that blessed hope. Yes. Don't wait until late. There will come a time. Philippians chapter 2 um, talks about the trumpet. It, it, there will be many that profess to be atheists or don't want to believe in God or, or whatever it may be, but there will come a day and that trumpet will sound and every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They can deny Christ now. I mean, that's great, but there will come a day when they're going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's right. Don't let it be too late. <laughs> there will come a day when it will be too late. Again, it could be tomorrow. It could be the next hour. It could be a year from now, but we don't know. Don't wait. <laughs> don't leave here without knowing, without a single doubt in your mind, that if you're to die, that you know where you spend eternity. That if the trumpet were to sound, that you know that the dead in Christ are at first, and you'll be able to meet our Savior in the air. Don't leave here without knowing that. You can know where you spend eternity. You can know. I mean, talk to somebody. I'm sure there's plenty of people in here that would love to talk to you and let you know that you can know that you have eternal life, that you can know where you're going to spend eternity. But I would challenge you that if you are saved, if you have given your life to Christ, how are you serving Him? Where are you serving Him? I mean, have you really surrendered your life to the Lord? It's easy, and this morning i talked about in the book of Haggai how... It's not that they were necessarily, you know, in deep sin and rebellion. They were just comfortable going about their everyday lives... And, ...until they heard the word of the Lord and they realized that, you know what, there's a job to be done. Right. And it's easy to get comfortable. and It's not that it's necessarily you know, a sin and a sin... ...but it's easy to get comfortable and get distracted and get busy... ...and, and forget that there's a job that needs to be done. Yep. That there, there's still work that needs to be done. And we can take a break when that trumpet sounds. <laughs> we can take a break when we die, but until then... We have an opportunity to serve him. we got to take that I and mean, we take, take that opportunity to serve him. You're not going to get to heaven and think, you know what? I just served God too much. I wish I would have served him less. No, yeah. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to realize that no matter how much we serve, we're going to, we're going to realize that I wish I would have did more. <laughs> I, I remember, uh, I can't remember the pastor's name, but he, he was preaching a sermon. He, he, uh, he said, if I could just get a busload of my congregation, and if we could just drive down to hell for about five seconds and come back up, every single one of them would become a soul winner. And realize that hell is a real place. And there are people dying and going there every day. Yeah. And the importance of us going forth and preaching that gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because we are running out of time. And again, the last time I will say that, I would challenge you. Where are you serving the Lord? How are you serving the Lord? And I'll end with, again, if you're not saved. If you've never given your life to Christ. If, if you're just not sure. If you don't know. Do not leave here without knowing. Yeah. There is no greater assurance than the assurance of salvation. I mean, when you have it, it's, <laughs> there's nothing greater than knowing that if you're to die, you'll be with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the greatest assurance any person in this room, in this country, in this world can have. The greatest assurance. And don't leave here without knowing. We'll pray and I'll turn over to the pastor. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just blessed and thankful, Lord, that, that you look upon us and that you would want to send your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. We, we are grateful, Lord, and we're just blessed beyond measure, Lord, that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there's someone here that, that has never put their faith and trust in you that is just not sure or maybe confused, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just convict them, Lord. The Holy Spirit would just move them, Lord, and they would just see the need of a Savior, Lord. They would see the, that, that you can know that you have eternal life, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just move amongst us, Lord, and, and that those that need salvation would see and feel the call of the Spirit, Lord. We are thankful, Lord, for your many blessings, Lord, and just thankful, Lord, that you would send your Son, Jesus Christ, To die on the cross for our sins, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.